So hello, uh, my name's Paul Stainton. Welcome to a new political podcast called Spoilt Ballots. With me is... Martin Curtis, former leader of Cambridgeshire County Council and former Conservative parliamentary candidate. And we're calling this podcast Spoilt Ballots because we're sort of stuck, aren't we, Martin? Uh, well, I definitely am, and uh, I, I think people that know me and, and know my politics also know, that are in touch with me, know I'm really, really struggling with both the Conservative Party and the way politics behaves at the moment. You're a conservative through and through, it's fair to say, isn't it? I have very conservative values, yeah, yeah. but unfortunately, um, I would argue the Conservative Party doesn't anymore. Yeah, and I'm a former BBC presenter on radio, TV, um, been impartial for many years, and I'll be honest, for the first time, reveal my political allegiances. Mm. I don't really have any. I've voted Labour in the past uh, for Tony Blair, pre the Iraq War. I wouldn't vote for him after the Iraq war, because I think he made some <laughs> serious fatal errors with his mate George. Um, I voted Conservative under David Cameron. Uh, I would say my politics is somewhere in the middle, but I feel like a political nomad, because for me, the Conservatives are way too far to the right. Corbyn is way too far to the left for me. Hmm. Yet, I would support some Labour policies, quite a lot of conservative policy and some liberal policies but i wouldn't vote for the school mistress in the middle so i'm stuck where yeah, do i go I, I, well it's exactly it i'm exactly the same the, the reality is the center ground is vacant at the moment i think the lib dems would argue that they fill the state they fill the center ground but i don't see that i don't see them as as fitting any political ideology apart from they're incredibly advantageous uh, 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 that you know they'll take advantage of anything they can um, and one of the reasons I can't support the Lib Dems is because actually they are incredibly opportunistic yeah, yeah. and you know I've seen the way they campaign I've seen the way they operate and they have this nice fluffy thing on the surface but actually when you go underneath it they're an absolutely ruthless organization in the way they campaign uh, and, and I don't think that's what you need and the thing for me is politics is lacking an ideological conversation uh, and it has what do you been, mean by that? Well, um, just a, as a great example is the NHS. Um, of course we should be big fans of the NHS and what it delivers. Yeah. And we should recognise that doctors and nurses add great value and are incredibly committed. But underneath that, we also have to, if we look around the rest of the world, you can see that actually there are places in the world with much better health outcomes than us. Um, what have we done wrong then? Where have we gone wrong? Because, well, you know, everybody keeps telling us, you know, Boris Johnson tells us the Conservatives, you know, they've spent billions and billions and billions on the NHS. Jeremy Corbyn's promising to spend billions and billions more on that and about 10,000 other things, including <laughs> railways and everything else. Yeah. Uh, he's going to nationalise everything. You're going to get free sweets for the kids and, and everything, you know, free free underpants if, in case you soil them, you know, well, all, all sorts. People are, what's happening is, is this, there's this drive. It, partly, I think it's a reaction to austerity but I would argue it's probably also the creation of Tony Blair and, and the, you know the world of spin that he created you as think well. he's, he's at the root of it all? Some of it in terms of the way politics operates um, I think that's right. Because um, many people yeah. would, would blame him really for the Brexit fiasco it goes all the way back to open borders not putting controls in place and creating this this mess in the first place. Uh, and I think of, of, of the UK government in general uh, and the UK system not challenging Europe enough. Instead of being, they're being, going into Europe and saying to the European Union, actually, you know, your structure is broken. Because uh, that's the reason I voted to leave. It wasn't because of immigration. It wasn't because of anything else. I'm See, quite... I voted to remain. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and yet yeah. people throw things at me. But, you know, I voted to remain, yet I still think mm. we have to deliver on Brexit for democracy's sake. We have to deliver, but we also have to recognise that for democracy's sake, no deal isn't an option. Because, because no deal will take us into a recession, and the reaction to that would be horrendous. In the same way that a reaction to not leaving is potentially horrendous. Yeah, and you mentioned we've got to have we've got to have this dynamic approach mm. to politics. You know, this mm. this this person to stand up or, or party to stand up, and and you know deliver something different. Mm. You know, it, it it pains me that we you know I look at politics today and and we've gone from Churchill to Boris Johnson. You know, absolutely, <laughs> it, we've gone from you know. Nye Bevin to Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, it's, what, it's a joke, isn't what it? What pains me is within the party I belong to, people are comparing Boris to Churchill. But he's he, <laughs> and, and but he's he, a joke figure, isn't he? You no, can't even remember his script. You know, well, as, a, as a you know, I work in PR and media relations now. I would hate to be trying to coach him because he's awful. That advert he did with yeah. the tea break. I mean, who came up with that? Well, he the, just looked like a bumbling old fool. Boris is teabagging controversy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it, no, no Boris, no, stop now, no. <laughs> yeah. Somebody say no to the guy. No, you're, you're absolutely right, but but part of it is the reason he can't stick to a script is because his script adjusts to suit the circumstances. You know, if it, 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 he will say what suits him. And, and my problem with Boris as Prime Minister is we can't afford to have that. We have to have somebody that stands up for what he believes in and leads. But my well, problem with Jeremy Corbyn is I would rather... And I, I, I don't think I'll vote for either, but I would rather vote for Boris than Jeremy Corbyn, which is a travesty, isn't it? Labour should be way ahead in the polls, shouldn't they? Uh, if a Labour Party with a leader that was worth, you know, that, that was worth his salt would be absolutely streets ahead at the moment. Uh, and I, I think that's, I think most people would say that. And the fact that the Labour Party aren't, Probably, I mean, it, it just shows what a mess we are. We're in. It's dreadful, and it's dreadful for the country, isn't it? As well, because yeah. you, you've you've had this Brexit impasse for, you know, three and a half years of, of people in government pretending that they want to leave the EU when really all along they didn't really want to leave, uh, and a Parliament doing the same thing, you know, and defying the will of the people. So politics in people's yeah estimation has gone down and down and now particularly for those that voted to leave and but, thought they were getting a, a chance to you know have a democracy well I, I think that's right I, I think I think most whether people, they were lied to or not most, you know. most reasonable people I think would accept that the brexit the vote to leave the European Union was as much a reaction and a you know a plague on all your houses vote than it was about saying I want to leave the EU I think that that's clear, but but um, the implementation of it and the delivery of it um, has been absolutely dire. Partly because there are many many politicians who, having seen the consequences of, in particular, of No Deal, um, have uh, you know that they've gone with the consciences and said, I, I just can't do that. Others, and I know this because I've spoken to cabinet ministers when I went to party conference, have said it. You know, they're towing the line on on No Deal. Um, because of how their constituency voted, but knowing that actually themselves, you know, they have real concerns about leaving the EU. But then that's a, fo a failure of politics, isn't it? It's a failure of statesmanship that, that they weren't able to get the, the correct message across in, in that referendum debate, and they've not been able to get the message across since, because people don't trust them anymore. But if you go, 
that's a consequence of how we campaign at the mm. moment and you know that's going on in the in the general election at the moment yeah there's an absolute co- if you go back to you know some of the previous examples of campaigning the conservative campaign against Sadiq Khan in London for, for the last mayoral election was shameful it was absolutely shameful and and it's a campaigning has, has become a race to the bottom and the current campaign is no worse There's so much negativity yeah. you know vitriol and you know I live in Peterborough mm. and I've seen it in Peterborough with the Brexit party candidate you know negative 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 even if he's got valid points to make against yep. his conservative colleague mm. um, or his, his Labour colleague they're incredibly negative you know and, and I, I've got a few friends and, and people that I know that are MPs um, uh, you know who are much, some of them ex councillors some of them I stood for selection against and wasn't successful <laughs> one of them's Will Quince in Colchester and he's taking a real hit at the moment um, you know a personal hit as well and and you know he's a, he's an incredibly decent guy um, and and it's that's not what it should be about and that's where I start to struggle well you've been in the corridors of power in, mm. in, in Cambridgeshire you, yeah. you've 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 had to mm. talk to people cross-party and I've I've interviewed many many politicians down the years from David Cameron to you know uh, Eric Pickles mm. to to you know Alistair Campbell you know spin doctors all these people and you know the one thing I take from it all is that you know there are intelligent people on all sides of the debate but for some reason, yep. nobody seems to be able to bring that intelligence forward. And I, 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 getting when you step outside of that bubble again and you think a bit more about it, you realise that when you get in that bubble, you do get caught up in that. And and it's quite interesting. I watched. Uh, I went to see Andy Burnham speak in Cambridge a couple of years ago. And Andy Burnham said exactly the same thing. Having left Westminster, he regrets how um, overtly party political he was. And if he went back again, he'd try and break it and and, and be a little little less like that. But I think it takes stepping outside of that bubble, having been in it, to realise it. I quite liked it when we had a coalition, if I'm honest. I was not averse to the coalition t- to a certain extent because it took away the extremes, didn't it? Well, absolutely. I remember having a conversation um, with um, with I'm going to mention him, Stuart Jackson. I like Stuart. I know he's former MP work. for Peterborough. Absolutely, and, and saying to Stuart that um, one of the reasons I was quite a fan of the coalition is because it would let the right of the party and it would keep control of the right of the party. Um, and um, Stuart sort of smiled at it, and, and um, I think that's partly because that's where Stuart was, and he knew it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but but it's true that that to me is what the coalition managed to achieve, and they did some good stuff actually. You know, I managed one of the things I did was a city deal, and the fact that we had a coalition government was one of the driving factors for the fact that I could work with Tim Bick, who was then the, the leader of, the, of Cambridge City. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and we could deliver something that was cross party. And it um, should be, in the long term, something that really delivers for Cambridge. But the argument then is that coalitions never get anything done. This country needs to learn to do coalitions. I, I, and, and that's You're talking why, about proportional representation now, aren't you? I, I, Changing the way we vote. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if you look at... The, I, I used to... I, you know, this makes me sound like a right hypocrite, which is fine. All, poli- <laughs> all politicians are hypocrites. You've got, to change, you've got to change your opinion, aren't you? You're not a yeah. hypocrite, Martin. I think you've just listened to the people and changed your point of view, <laughs> well, haven't it's, you? Yeah, I've, I've, it's, it's listening and thinking. Uh, if you think about... You know, one of the reasons I used to argue for first past the post... Um, partly, you know, this thing about being within a bubble and conservative, being a conservative, it actually suits the Conservative Party as in the same way as it suits the Labour Party. But 
Um, the reality is the reasons for one of the main reasons for it is decisive government, and it hasn't delivered that at least since 2010. Um, and uh, so you can say that argument goes away, and then you look at the number of people that say. I feel politically homeless, which is where I am at the Well, moment. that's where we started here. Yeah. I mean, the, the, and I speak to a lot of people still, you know, where I live and on social media, and the amount of people who mm. just don't know where to go. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that massive gulf between right and left, if you were sat in the middle of that in, in a proportional representation system and you were the biggest party, you could then sit and look and you could lean to the left if you felt it suit you, suited you to find a coalition partner or lean to the right. But the, one of the benefits of PR is you would have a breadth of um, and a growth in the number of political parties. But don't you end up with the, the sort of German module where you have an election every six months? Well, saying that, we have one here every six months, don't we? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm winning my own argument here. <laughs> I, the, the, the thing that I, one of the other things I've always argued against it is you get into situations, not necessarily where you have a lot of elections, but where you do get a period after an election where you're negotiating a coalition. But actually, those countries don't fall apart because of it. Belgium was the worst one. I think it went months and months without a, a, a proper government. But the, Belgium didn't collapse because of it. Probably was better for having less politicians involved. But it, so there's nothing. There's there's a lot to say that PR should happen. The biggest thing is people will be able to vote according to their conscience and know that their vote matters in that they've got a chance of getting somebody in mm. who stands for what they believe. So in, in you know traditional mm. Labour heartlands where people vote Labour, 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 although that may change in this election mm. um, because a lot of those heartlands will vote Leave, yep. and, you know, some of those Labour votes may go... Mm to the Brexit Party or others. Uh, and in traditional Tory heartlands, particularly where I live in, around Cambridge, there's a lot of blue seats. No matter what you vote, it's going to be blue. You're saying your vote will count. Because a lot of people feel like they don't count, don't no, they? Absolutely. And there's people that, that won't vote because of that. Um, I, I still haven't got a clue how I'm going to go vote. That's another issue. No, me neither. But, no, I, 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 but, but it, 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 is, it is that... You know, that, that matters because then you will get people engaging in a proper debate. Um, the other thing that needs to change is, is politicians need to accept that politics should be a, a battle of philosophies. And, and I, that's the thing I really, really... I'll give you an example. How many times have we heard Boris talk about one nationism in this election campaign? Not at all. Well, uh, yeah, as he's mentioned it about 10, 15... Well, you listen right, to I him, he talks him. about conservative... I'm one too nation. busy listening to the gaffes, I think. Well, you know, I'm watching yeah. his teabag advert. Yeah, quite. <laughs> <laughs> or watching him in slow move. <laughs> I watched his teabag tea bag advert once. It's easy for you to it. say. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but he talks about it. Nobody knows what it means. And I'm a passionate One Nationist. And it's about delivering equality of opportunity right. and a system that does it. And I sit and look at him saying that, and I have to say he's not the only one. Theresa May was similar, David Cameron was similar. Do you think they really know what it means, or it just sounds like a good uh, well, catchphrase? Uh, it, 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 it's not a great catchphrase, because people don't understand it. And that's, well, it's well, like any catchphrase. You've got to explain it in one sentence, Yeah, and, and explain it so your mum can understand it. Absolutely. But the real issue is, there's nothing that the Conservative Party is saying underneath Boris occasionally using the word One Nation that actually is one nationist in what it says and in fact there is an argument that some of what Jeremy Corbyn is talking about is more one nation yeah. than the Conservatives so Boris has talked about not Boris um, Jeremy has talked about a, 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 lead, a, a move back to regional government 
and there's potential for good regional government structure with proper devolution to be really, really one nationist. Uh, as an example, I've been asked what would be my first top three priorities for, for a, a political uh, manifesto. My number one priority would be a roadmap for, to uh, prosperity for every region in the UK. Break it down that way, region yeah. by region. Yeah, region by region. Mm. What would it take? Because we know at the moment it's only the southeast and the east of England that are that um, actually add to the UK economy and the rest detract from it. So what does it take to change that around? What's the infrastructure needs of that region? HS2. <laughs> HS2. Do you think? I do think so. I mean, it. it well, the second thing that I had on that list, by the way, yeah. was to get one of the top businessmen in the world to come into the UK and tell us why we are failing to deliver infrastructure projects. You know, and I can talk locally why about Why they that. keep going up in price. You know, what's yeah. HS2 at the minute? 88 billion Something and rising? Like the trouble is with HS2, it is getting to a point where the costs outweigh the business benefits for it. Um, and, and the uh, projected business benefits. Yeah. But there's a real problem, which Andy Street talks about, um, who's the mayor of Birmingham, um, which or the mayor of the West Midlands Combined Authority, technically. Catchy. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Very catchy. Um, and he says, the, the trouble is with HS2, house prices in the Midlands have already got HS2 factored in. So if you withdraw and take HS2 out the equation... You take a hit. You, the house house prices, in, and, and that's something we can't afford in the UK. Yeah, but you, you mentioned um, Jeremy Corbyn and some of the things he's he's talked about and some of his one-nationism, mm. if you like. Uh, you know, and the nationalisation of industries. Uh, I mean, last week, free broadband for all, and it was scoffed at. And, and, you know, but actually, on its own... If you took it as on its own and and people were given free broadband, high-speed broadband across the country, that's a brilliant idea, isn't it? Because it stops people being disenfranchised. But when you add it up with all the other promises, they're undeliverable, aren't they? We haven't well, got the billions. Well, that, that's that's true. Of, that's true of both parties, and that's a big issue. So you know, if you think about, let's take you know that one point two trillion that was talked about, you know, that which is an exaggeration. I think we can be clear about that. But but if you take half of that, you say Jeremy's going to cost six hundred billion pounds. Um, okay, you take that. That's ten pence a year over ten years of additional income tax. It's phenomenal. It's just not affordable. People won't wash it. And, and it's quite clear. I think the IFS have said the spending plans of both parties are not affordable. Uh, and, and so, absolutely, it's all false. And, and I don't think anybody believes they can deliver it all. And, by the way, free broadband for all is barking. It's absolutely barking mad. Do you really Why? think... Why? Do you really think it's sensible for the state to manage the system that holds all our data <laughs> no, no, information? No, 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 no. I'm not. <laughs> I'm but, not. But that is a consequence. That is a consequence of it. I'm not suggesting that, that Comrade Corbyn mm. is in charge of the broadband. I think that would be a mistake. <laughs> but I, no, no, no. You'll have one hour a day but at it, six p.m. No, no. I, I'm suggesting that. It surely makes sense, you know, yeah. across the country, particularly in rural areas, that everybody has access to to uh, really high-speed broadband, and and perhaps it would stop isolation, it would stop loneliness mm. in older people, and I think on its own it's not a bad idea. I I think. No, the principle of making sure people have access yes. to decent broadband yeah. is absolutely and right. And making it cheap the enough they can afford it. The business benefits for it are huge. If you think about rural businesses, especially as we start moving towards farmers, um, uh, and farmers being more technologically yeah, yeah. driven, which but we even, are moving to. But even old people. I mean, you know, yeah, my mum, you know, sadly died a couple of years mm. ago. But you know, when I talked to her about broadband, she said, "Oh, I can't afford that." 
you know, mm. 20, 30 pound a month. Yeah, she couldn't afford it. No. You know, and that's wrong, isn't it? Because she, she was completely left out of that. And there, there are yeah. huge swathes of the country where older people are. So I can sort of see that, no, I, as the, long as he's the, not in charge. The principle of broadband being a critical piece of UK infrastructure, mm. I, you know, it's absolutely right. But then you get into the argument, well, if broadband's free, surely water and electric should be absolutely free. Absolutely right. You know. And, you, um, you, you know, puppies should be free. It depends how far you want to go. Where do we it. stop? Yeah. 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 And, and so the, there's, there's two things, uh, you know, that you need to separate. One is whether it's the state is the right way to deliver it. But the second thing is what's the ambition? The ambition, which is to make broadband available, genuinely available, right across the country, is, 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 is great. But I, I'm just not convinced that, well, I'm, I'm totally convinced state ownership is not the right way. Of I'm, anything? Well, no, not of anything. Water, um, electric, gas, essential. I, I, I don't see the benefits in, in, in public ownership of them. I, I, you know, having, you know, the, the reason I drifted to conservatism was because of the mess in the late 70s. And I don't want to go back to that. And if you don't remember that, kids, that was Dennis Healing going cap in hand to the IMF saying, please give us some money, we're broke. Yeah, yeah. I, and you know, I remember it um, for all sorts of reasons. But in 1977, the fireman's strike, my dad was responsible for issuing all the green goddesses out, um, was in the army. And, uh, um, you know, when I remember looking at that and looking at, you know, the fact that my dad was sending these th people, people out, um, you know, to fires with inadequate equipment, because firefighters wanted more money and it was effectively risking people's lives for it. And I just thought, that's not the way to run a no. country. I remember candles on the mantelpiece because mm. we had power yeah. cuts. I remember all that as a kid. You know, yeah. We don't want to go back there and we don't want to bankrupt the country again. But, you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, the Conservatives and their sort of shift to the right. We talked about um, Corbyn and Labour's shift to the left. We've, we've hardly mentioned the Lib Dems and... That's a problem for Joe Swinson, isn't it? I think it is. Because we're, we're not even mentioning her here, yet we're talking about politics. And, and I, I actually think the decision, you know, as, we, as we're sort of doing this, you know, the ITV debate is this evening, and I yeah. think the decision not to include her in the ITV debate, I think is a shame. I think it's bad for the country. A, because it would be... Why? A, There's a, only likely to be one or two that are going to be Prime Minister. I'm not convinced by that either. But Seriously? Well, well it, it's... it's the two largest parties, you're either going to have a Conservative government or um, or the Labour Party will be um, part of a coalition. The reality is, though, in order for them to form a coalition, the other parties are going to have to agree who the Prime Minister is going to be, and they're not going to agree Jeremy Corbyn. I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced. So yes. you think there's, there's a backdoor route for Joe Swinson? Yeah, even if it's temporary. Uh, but it's also true that she, the Lib Dems are putting up candidates in every seat. I think that counts for something. It's also true... I'm sounding like a Lib Dem here. I apologise. <laughs> 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 uh, but but uh, it's also true that they are the only Remain voice. I mean, the Labour Party's policy nobody knows with. And for those reasons... But stick I and think, twist, I think, is Labour Party, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> They're playing pontoon. They'd be bust every round. No, quite. <laughs> I, I just don't... <laughs> I don't another card I, I, another I, card I, I, you must be bossed by now no 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 I think the point is to miss her out does the country a disservice it's not about what the, what's right for the Lib Dems it's about the country needing to hear that she's, voice she's not a statesman I say that yeah Jeremy Corbyn's not a statesman Boris I don't think is a statesman no I don't think, I don't think she's either. ready I think she's a bit you know, green under the gills, and you know she's changed her opinions drastically on various uh, policies over the years. Yeah, I, well, uh, as of all politicians, but I, I, I including I, I, you, Martin. <laughs> yeah, quite. Yeah, I, 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 
I would argue, though, I haven't. Um, what's happened is my party has moved away from me. I don't think I've, I, you know, I've moved mm. particularly. I've always been relatively centre ground. I've always cared about issues like deprivation. You know, I was, you know, you changed your mind on first past the post, though. Yeah, no, yeah, that. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. But I take your point about yeah. party moving away, and that's yeah. what we said right at yeah. the start of this podcast. That and the reason we we've started the Spoilt Ballots mm. podcast. Mm. Um, by the way, I'm Paul Stainton. He's Martin Curtis. Um, is that the parties have moved away from us in the centre, yeah. and we're we're we may have different. You know, political allegiances going through yeah. our history, but essentially we're on that that yeah. middle ground island, yeah. and the Labour and the Conservatives have rowed away, haven't they? Oh, into, into the sunset, almost. You and, know, and my only my my one hope and the one reason I stay a member of the Conservative Party at the moment is that. You know, I, I really hope that once we've got Brexit out of the way, the party can move back to the centre. And, and the conversations I was having at party conference, you know, I had a number of MPs telling me that's what they thought would happen. My fear is that a lot of those really good, solid One Nation Conservatives um, have actually um, left, or uh, those that have left that are One Nationist um, are being replaced by people that are to the right. Well, every every person standing for the Conservatives in this election apparently has swore to Boris that they will vote to leave, whatever the deal. Yeah, except if you were offered the potential of being a member of Parliament and you had to compromise on one that that one issue, you'd do it, wouldn't you? Isn't that the problem with politics, though? Yeah. It's, it's a reason I've never gone into it. You know, and people, you know, I'm quite well known in Peterborough, I suppose, and people have said to me in the past, oh, you should stand, you should stand. Mm. But no, because once you get to any sort of level, you've got to compromise, you've got to mix with the right people, and you've got to mix with the cabal, and you've got to get up to the top of the cabal to make any difference. So I, you, you, you immediately are not the person you were when you, when you stood. I think there's a thing about politicians having a right to a conscience, and there is a danger that um, the way political parties operate and the whipping system operates means that, that once you get elected, you sort of lose that conscience. And I tried to, as leader of the county council, I tried to move to a position where we had more free votes. Um, it was some of the time my own group that actually wasn't particularly supportive of it, even on really minor issues. So I remember once... Um, well, because you were not right-wing enough. No, it was things. It was just because they're not willing to give in to the opposition. They didn't want the Lib Dems or the Labour group, in particular the Lib Dems, to be seen to succeed in anything. Yet it would work better if, at a local level and a national level, yeah, if everybody agreed. worked together. I suppose yeah. we're back round then to yeah. PR, aren't we? Because if there were, in local councils, if there were five Greens, mm. four Lib Dems, seven Tories and, and four Labour, they'd have to work together then, wouldn't they? They would. And, um, and we had to do that when I was leader of the county, um, to a certain extent, in order for us to get through the things that we needed to get through. And it was quite, you know, the city deal vote in uh, the, uh, the county went through unanimously. And, and that, I, I think, was um, you know, a real achievement, and the fact that we managed to do that. Um, but, albeit, I can talk about national issues on that as well. Well, we've got plenty of time next week, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, you can do it. But I remember, you know, even minor issues. We had a thing where the Constitution went through an amendment. It was part of the constitutional change was to do with um, moving towards a committee system, which I think was a big mistake. But... The, part of that was there was the Lib Dems put an amendment to change the word he throughout the document to he she, and um, it was a late amendment, so we didn't have time to chat about it in group, which is a good thing. And I just said, I don't care. Let's make it a free vote. 
And I had people within my group arguing against that being a free group, free vote. <laughs> and we lost that vote, or the vote was lost by, um, or the, the amendment was won um, by, I think, one or two votes. And I had guys sat next to me who shall remain nameless, whispering in my ear, if, if you'd have forced that and we'd have whipped it, we'd have won it. And I'm thinking, who what cares? for? No, absolutely. Yeah. So what a waste that, of time. No, energy. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Put it into something positive, yeah. you know, and that is the thing. So, I mean, you know, we're, we are, what, three weeks away from the election. Um, we're both politically homeless. We've, we've looked at the whys and wherefores mm. in, in light touch, really. Um, what's going to change our minds between now and election day? What do you think could change our minds? Because Boris isn't going to move from the right because the Brexit party is forcing him there. Uh, and Jeremy isn't going to move from the far left because momentum are forcing him there. Yeah. So who are we going to vote for, Martin? What's going to change our minds? I, uh, Where's I, this big idealism coming from in the next three weeks? I, it's not going to come in the next three weeks. I should probably spoil my ballot. Uh, and, um, I, Hence I, the name I, of the podcast. <laughs> absolutely. And, and I, um, I genuinely, you know, I, I feel really uncomfortable with doing it, but I don't see how I can do anything else. I've talked to you about the Lib Dems and where I am. I don't believe Boris is an honest person and therefore I can't f see why I should be obliged to vote for him because Jeremy Corbyn on the other side is equally unacceptable, probably more unacceptable. Uh, and I, but so that's, um, unless something changes so Sophie's choice, isn't it really? It is. Uh, and that is a problem. And for somebody like me that's passionate about politics and actually has been involved in the Conservative Party for 20 years, you know, it, it does say there's something wrong, I, I think. Well, and people are going to point the finger at you and say, you're an advocate of democracy, and yet you're going to spoil your ballot paper. Yeah, what an idiot. Yeah, but I'm not going to sit at home. <laughs> you're going to go down I'll there go and, and spoil it. And, and, yeah. and, and what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. No. I, I, I can't in all conscience vote for Jeremy Corbyn, and no. I don't think I can vote for Boris Johnson, no. because he, he tells lies. It's as simple as that. He lies and he changes his mind I, and he doesn't know what he's doing after the time. One of the things I did last week, knowing we were going to do this, I went back and had a look at Boris's record a little bit. And I looked at, in particular, the, Brex the leadership debate within the Conservative Party. And if you go back and look at it, at the same time as Boris was talking about, we're leaving the EU on the 31st of October, no ifs, no buts, you had Michael Gove and Jeremy Hunt both saying, actually, if we do need to extend for a little while, we should do it taking a more pragmatic, realistic approach to it, but saying my intention is to leave on the 31st of October. If you look at that with hindsight, you realise that they were being realistic and honest when Boris wasn't. And, and you know, you, you then say, well, Boris is, you know, all joining in this free puppies for all election. How do you believe him? Well, the only thing that's going to sway me, I think, is the fact that the Conservatives are the only party likely to deliver Brexit. Much as I voted Remain, and it sounds yeah. stupid, but I'm a firm believer yeah. that people voted to leave. Yeah. Deliver that, and then have another vote afterwards, if you like. Except, are we going to? And, and this is well, where We have to leave first. We have to leave. And then we have to negotiate a trade deal. Or we have to negotiate our way back. Yeah. Uh, this is a problem, and and you know so you have to you, fulfil you, that vote. You, you, that's my that that when Labour are riding roughshod over that vote, saying, "Oh, we'll have another vote." When the Lib Dems are saying, "Oh, we're going to vote Remain," no. You can't, in my mind, a democracy is a democracy. People spoke, we must adhere to that, otherwise they'll never speak again. Except what we can't do is is do that to the point where it leads to a recession, because British politics will never, or the current political system will never be forgiven. And 
there are already conservatives who are actively saying if we can't negotiate a trade deal within a year then no deal so we're going back onto the no deal agenda which to me is unacceptable no. so who do we blame for this well is it david cameron's fault we're in this mess is it tony blair's fault is it is it the eu's fault there are there are the main for me it, fundamentally it is about the growth ambitions of the eu not matching the aspirations of the uk uh, and, and that's fundamentally it but actually it's also true that I don't think David Cameron had a choice and the fact that half the country more than half the country voted to leave says to you how can you say that with that as a result David Cameron was wrong to call a referendum I, I you know I struggle with that so I, I don't blame David Cameron in the way that other people do I actually blame the political system in the UK for not standing up to the EU enough and not trying to force its case for change and the EU for not listening. Well, it's going to be interesting in the next three weeks and uh, December the 13th is my birthday. Uh, we'll find out on that day what we're going to get, uh, whether it's going to be a coalition of the unwilling so, or a conservative majority slightly. Or so, so your birthday is on Friday, December the 13th, the yeah. day after an election. The day, uh, the day we find out the future of this country and all the shenanigans that go with it. I'm looking forward to that do, birthday. Do you know what I, I've been thinking the last few weeks? What's the best outcome for me from a general election? I'm not looking for birthday cards or presents, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Um, what's your best outcome? Well... What about if Boris loses his seat and the Conservatives get a majority? <laughs> In Uxbridge, yeah, yeah. Well, they're campaigning against him, aren't they? They are, Vividly. yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see, won't we? Uh, and uh, uh, what sort of chaos would there be then? Though? That would that would be hilarious. But uh, <laughs> it's also a, like I mean, it would be an, arguably a new low. Over the last few months, the things we've seen in politics, you wouldn't bet against it, would you? No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't bet against it. Well, people it. are starting to organise themselves against, you know, um, certain candidates. And that certainly is happening in Boris's seat. And but at the moment, whatever happens, spoilt ballots. For me, absolutely. I, I just don't see how, as a centre-ground politician, I can vote for anybody in a political system that, um, you know, where, where the choice is right or left. I just don't. I, I can't. Uh, and that's the name of our podcast, Spoilt Ballots. And if you like it, like it. If you love it, love it. And please share it and tell your friends. And we'll be back next week uh, with more shenanigans from the world of politics. I've been Paul Stainton. I've been Martin Curtis. And we've been Spoilt Ballots. Spoilt Ballots.